Warning, this podcast was produced by two men who still think that swearing is both big and clever. As a result, it contains quite a lot of it. Therefore, this podcast is not suitable for children, unless they're really fucking cool children. Hello and welcome to another episode of Pop Collaborating Listen. Uh, this is Christopher doing the intro for this one because Dave is away on holiday with his family and is therefore not near his microphone in studio. So you got me this time. And this episode we are looking at New Order's um, Republic from 1993. And uh, it's one that neither Dave or I were familiar with at all. We obviously knew New Order, but not this album. One thing I will say to bear in mind when you listen to this is uh, towards the end, whenever we read out some of the tweets that we got, whenever we asked for any kind of responses to this album, you'll hear that quite a few of them are saying things like, oh, you know, it's not my favourite album, or this is the one where they left me behind a bit. Some of them, let's face it, a bit negative. What uh, then happened is pretty much the very next day after recording the uh, episode, we looked at our Twitter notifications and saw that none other than Peter Hook, the bassist of New Order, had seen all these messages and liked, in inverted commas, all of them as well, to let us know that he'd read them. So that was a bit awkward. If you're listening, Hooky, you know, forgive our listeners. It was us that asked for the responses, so maybe blame us, but please don't. But anyway, look, I'm just going to get into this one. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. It's another good, fun one, I reckon. Hopefully next time, normal service will be resumed and Dave will be doing the intro as you're used to. All right, see you later, guys. Yes, yes, people, Dave Fensom here with another episode of Pop Collaborator and Listen. I am joined, as always, by my very good friend, Mr. Chris DeGreer. Hello, everyone. Yo, I just want to say thank you uh, for everyone that got in touch with us on the last piece of oh, pain. Oh, oh, oh yes, indeed, our uh, ongoing journey into misery, listening to Cliff Richard. Cliff fucking Richard. Yeah, uh, yeah I mean, luckily, that is the only album he got number one with in the 90s. It, well, it, the only one that wasn't a compilation. Uh, there are other ones that we can ignore. We weren't allowed to ignore that because we're idiots and made the rules. Basically, we don't have to listen to Cliff Richard. No, again. never again. Never no. again. But I am very surprised that so many people... Well, actually, I'm not surprised that so many people enjoyed our pain in having to listen to it. So mm. I'm glad they got something out of it. That was our hill, and many <laughs> men have died halfway up there. <laughs> that still makes me uh, laugh. Yeah, still makes me laugh as well. So yeah, here are, we are in uh, slightly more green territory. Mm-hmm. This week we are here to talk about a New Order's album, Republic. Yeah, and it was number one for one week uh, on the 9th of May, 1993. So it was the week after... Cliff, well, it was actually the week after R.E.M., yeah. because it was Cliff Richard, then R.E.M.'s automatically people went back to number one, then New Order, and then, funnily enough, 
REM went back to number one after New Order. I mean, this oh. REM album just goes on forever. Uh, ever and ever. But yes, yeah, so this is what we're doing this week. New Order for one week. So yeah, like, so New Order, obviously a bit of a, I mean, I guess a, a bigger than a cult band, but a real sensation. Obviously, they had the yeah. biggest number one, uh, 12 inches of all, of all time. time. Absolutely. Love, you know, that's a bit of a trivia that any music dickhead will ever And, and they lost you. money on every copy they sold. Yeah, indeed. Because yeah. they had the nice packaging and exactly. blah, 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 blah. So... Obviously, by the time we get to the early 90s, New Order have kind of had a reputation for being on the edge of everything, really. The cutting Mm -hmm. edge of a lot of things, obviously, signed to, you know, very, very fashionable label and yeah. not and fashionable is the wrong way to put it but of you know very well regarded know, it's, label. factory records were very cool absolutely you know, they, for, the they didn't necessarily um, have a lot of really good bands but they had a reputation and a lot of that was marketing but they had that reputation and so yeah fucking hell factory records yeah. my god if you are um, from outside of the uk or this is not your brand of music uh, I would recommend going and checking out the uh, the movie 24 Hour Party People oh good fun uh, which is a great movie biopic about the Factory Records era obviously oh if you don't know New Order are the ashes of Joy Division right okay yes okay Let, let's get that out of the way absolutely it's sort of three quarters of Joy Division yeah. um, once Ian Curtis killed himself in whatever it was 8081 yeah the band decided to go on but change their name and also their direction. Mm-hmm. And throughout the 80s, like you said, they were a big deal. Absolutely. And, you know, I'll be honest with you, throughout the 80s, when I was very much pop-infused, mm-hmm. to the early 90s, New Order, I was aware of them, but they were a bit of a mystery to me. I, I, yeah. I don't think I... I don't think I, I mean, I've, I've listened to New Order albums since. I've owned a couple of New Order albums. Oh, have you? Okay. I've never, I've, I've never been... The biggest New Order fan. Fine. Um, uh, so, w- what was your relationship with New Order like? New Order, uh, I I think I was too young to really remember Blue Monday coming out at the yeah. time. Um, obviously, later in the eighties, I remember it as oh yeah, you hear that song and that's that beat and it's very uh, recognisable instantly. But it wasn't till kind of True Faith, which was nineteen eighty seven, that I was like, oh, this this is a great song, yeah. uh, and that was one of their biggest biggest hits. The one with the video, really interesting, cool video. But I still wasn't really what I would call a fan at all. And so there was a couple of, you know, True Faith and Bizarre Love Triangle as well. I had that on a a mixtape that someone did for me in about 1990. But I didn't investigate backwards album-wise. I mean, I'm, I'm going to say to you, like, probably the, the song that had the biggest impact on me was World in Motion. Well, that's the other big one, isn't it? Uh, yeah, you know, I, you know I, I liked that. But I, mean, I would say, in general, New Order were not fun enough for me when I was into pop music. Sure. And probably weren't angry enough for me when I was... And this time in my life. Right, sure. So it it wasn't something that was particularly... I I don't... I mean, as we discovered in last week's episode, I'd heard the first single, Regret, but I couldn't Mm -hmm. really remember it. So going into this, I'm like, I've never heard this album all the way through. I know that. No, same as. And I remember Regret coming out because it was 93 and I was listening to anything that was slightly indie and I was trying to get my head around all Mm -hmm. of it. So I remember it happening, but... I didn't hear this album at the time at all. Sure. You know, because I'd not been a fan previously. And in 93, I was probably listening to more guitar-y stuff, like the, the real American guitar-y stuff, or the very classic indie, where, where this is somewhere in the middle. Yeah, and, you know, this is, this is you know, become a trope of mm. something that we say on the podcast. But, you know, there was an embarrassment of riches around musically oh, God, at that yeah. time. Yeah. So this is something that, you know, in a more fallow period, maybe I, I'd have found my way to listening to. Mm-hmm. But 
with the amount of stuff that was going on, there was there was more music than there was uh, was money that I could spend on not just originals but blank tapes to mm. copy albums of other people. For sure. So let's start as we always do. Right. Yeah. Let's have a look at the album cover. Yes. So this is, I mean, this is uh, put together by an artist whose name I didn't make a... Peter uh, Saville. No, there we go, Peter Saville, uh, no relation. Uh, <laughs> and it's a juxtaposition of images. You've got two images that are representative. I mean, he's living in California at this yeah. point, isn't he? The first one is of a burning house, which is there to obviously either signify wildfires or possibly... Or the LA riots. Yeah, possibly rioting. Yeah. And then on the other side, you've got this kind of very, very happy, you know, there's, there's surfing by the sun. But mm, the, the a imi- happy couple. Yeah, the images have been changed. There's an air of kind of sardonic menace to right. it. Uh, you've got the kind of the Republic logo with the very uh, pronounced copyright. Yeah, I mean, that's, it was officially called Republic and then the C symbol yeah. for copyright. But it's just known, obviously, as Republic. And it's kind of formatted vaguely like a movie poster or something along right. those lines, or, or an advert. I think it's quite poorly put together, though, in yeah, ter- as an amateur. Because like it. it's not a, a seamless blend between the two images, and you're like, oh, this is almost like uh, it could be happening at the same time. It's literally, you know, they've taken two distinct images and slightly blurred the middle of it so it becomes that. Well, the thing is, if you look at the rest of the album, Mark, it's... It, uh, it's of a series of images that do the same kind of thing. Oh, okay. And if you look at the single covers, there's a lot of that right. in there as well. So I, I feel like when you view when you view the different images from it as a collection, uh-huh. it's more impactful. Oh, I see. Okay. So like, if you look at that's it, the uh, point of it. Yeah, but when you're going, you know, I'm I'm a casual person on this. It's mm. I'm just looking at the one album on the shelf. I don't think this is uh, as a cover. Uh, I don't think it's particularly successful. No. Uh, it, it is a bit cringy, kind of make you think sort of a way as well. It, it's a, it is a little bit like that. I mean, it's, you know, I mean, I guess it fits in with a tradition of stuff that I do quite like. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these type of images, if you see them in a Paul Verhoeven movie, if you see them in Robocop okay, or, yeah. or in Starship Troopers, they make sense because they're presented with an understanding of a sardonic kind of sure. sense of humour, which may well be intended and may well be present, but is not obvious. No, I I don't instantly think that, no. And I'll be honest with you, I don't generally... The first place I don't go to for humour and music is not New Order. No, absolutely not. I don't see them as a a big fun-time band. Sure. Anyway, so... so And this is uh, their sixth studio album. It is indeed. Uh, It's the second one that went into number one after the previous album, 1989's Technique. Yeah. Uh, And so this is the second one. But after this one, they broke up for Mm -hmm. a long time, for five years, and they didn't release another album for ten years. So this is kind of like the end of Act One, I guess, for New Order. This is the last last one they put out. Uh, It was nominated for the 1993 Mercury Prize... Okay. Along such massive albums as Apache Indian and Sting and nice. Dina Carroll. Cool. Uh, but it was beaten by Suede. Well, there you go. There you go. Uh, got to number 11 in the States, which was their highest chart placing over there. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is kind of, in some ways, this is them peaking commercially. Yeah. Apart I mean, from the, the biggest selling 12 inch in the world. And, and let's, it's easy in this day and age to think uh, 11 is almost damning with fame phrase, but let's not underestimate the sheer volume mm. of sales it takes to become a number 11 
uh, album in 1993 in, in America. America. Absolutely. No, you're, you're totally right. Um, Background-wise, I got some of this uh, from an email we had from one of our listeners from Martin Young who sent us his thoughts. And it was really interesting, actually, because there's some bits he clear, cleared up. that This is an album that was kind of made under duress. Uh, yes. This was made because both Factory Records and the Hacienda were in financial trouble. Indeed. And obviously New Order were signed to Factory and had... And, but they owned their own contracts or whatever. They owned their own music rather than Factory. Well, that was, quite, that was kind of famously part of the Factory thing. Yeah. And so if Factory uh, went under, it was something like that they would be slightly fucked because they had underwritten a lot of debts, yeah. I think, because they yeah, owned they, their own stuff. They had they had a lot of money tied up in both Tied up ventures. in it, exactly. Yeah. And the Hacienda was losing money and they were co-owners of that with Tony Wilson. And so they were under pressure to make some money. And let's remember why the Hacienda was losing money as well. Because mm-hmm. the Hacienda was fucking full mm, every night. Every night. And you would think, you know, particularly from yourself as a publican... I do, you got great. ...to be money hand over fist. But, of course, no one was drinking... Not a bit. ...because everyone was fucking <laughs> beamed out of their yes, minds. Yes, indeed. It was, the, the, you know, one of the centres of the, uh, the summer of love and the revolution that followed. So this is an album that they may not have made if they didn't have to or to feel pressured to... They might have waited a little bit longer and done something different, but they had to put something out. So this is yeah. what they did. Because, you know, Peter Hook and Bernard Summer famously not always been the best of friends, and they mm. fucking hated each other at this apparently point. Apparently so. Yeah. Yeah, apparently they were really just not want to be in the same room kind mm-hmm. of thing. And also the email that Martin sent us said that the battle between those two uh, was... Uh, partly that Bernard Sumner wanted to make another very dance-orientated album mm-hmm. because Technique, the last one, had been very kind of balearic and Ibiza-inspired, this sort of stuff. But Peter Hook wanted to go more down the the rock and more guitar route. Yeah. And so they were butting heads on that. Mm-hmm. And what came out of it, as we will see, is we, Bernard Sumner kind of won the toss on that one. Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, look, let's go. go into, uh, we mentioned it already. The first track is called Regret. It was also the lead single. Indeed. Right, let's do this one. So yeah, this was the first single, and it came out in the in April of '93, so just previous to the album, and it got to number four in the singles charts in the UK, which was in fact the last time they would see a top five placing. Sure. And look, interestingly, we just talk about that little button heads thing. This single starts off. You've got a riff, you've got a synth line, and you've got you know you've got quite a post-punky little bass line running mm-hmm. through. Oh yeah, yeah you? you can actually hear Hooky's bass in this yeah. one. Yeah. Now, you know the, the thing. I think a defining factor, as as is often the case, is how much how you feel about Bernard Sumner's vocal. Definitely, definitely, and it's a massive thing for New Order. I think yeah. that I don't think he's a very good singer. I, you know, I, I think well, this is what I think. Yeah, I think there is he's got a, a reasonably limited palette. Yeah, in terms of the. You know the kind of the tools in the shop, what he's playing, you know, what he's playing with, sure. and that does mean you pick up on a lot of the nuance of when he does something slightly different. Okay. Okay. And I think at its at its worst, there's a kind of a very sing-songy default that he goes to. Well, sure. Yeah. That I don't get on very well with, but then. He'll do something that's not a million miles removed from that, and it'll fit, and I'll feel quite differently about oh, I see. it. Yes, yeah. um, which 
on first listen to this record, I didn't notice, but on multiple listens, I did. Okay, that's interesting. So for this one, this isn't breaking a lot of new ground vocally. No. It's, I think this one is a pleasant enough tune. I quite like the chorus. Okay, yeah. I, I think the chorus yep. is well frozen. Mm-hmm. Right. There's, just, there's an absolute catchiness to that chorus. You, yeah. you can hear it in your head for a while after. So I think this is a perfectly acceptable song that in no way sets my world on fire. Right. Like the left-hand side of the album cover. Exactly. Um, for me... This is the sort of thing that I probably could have been more into because in 93, I was a fan of indie stuff. And so this is very jangly indie pop to start with. That guitar riff could have been a load of different bands from those early 90s. Mm -hmm. But there's something about the riff that I don't like. It's kind of cloying and sickly sweet to me. Um, it, it, it misses an edge, doesn't it? There's, so there's nothing, no, there's yeah, no jaggedness to no, it. No, and it's the sort of thing that, yeah, exactly. It could be by, and I'm trying to think of some middle-of-the-road band mm-hmm. that it could equally be by. But it doesn't scream to me, this is New Order. This is New Order who did True Faith. This is New Order who did Blue Monday. And so it sounds like it's them trying to be grown up or trying to cater to the, the mums and dads of Radio 2, that sort of shit. I think this is a very middle-of-the-road bland tune. I think you're right. Mm. I, I think you're right. I think there's. I think the chorus has got a nice hook to it. And I can get enough out of that. The chorus is definitely the best bit on here. Um, yeah. uh, even the Peter Hook bass line is such a stereotype New Order bass line sound to it that you're like, okay, fine, that's no problems. But it doesn't do anything fun for me. I, I'm not like, oh, that is cool. In some ways, the other times you go, that's a fucking cool line. You've done nicely on that. Um, and I don't even think this would make second or third tier New Order songs for me and I don't know that many and and this is one of the ones I know better than a lot because I did hear this at the time and it's been played loads you know you hear it on various this is the sort of thing that would get played on an ad for a BBC One football show Mm -hmm. because it's that sort of uh, everyone knows this it's just part of the 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 woodwork at some point that riff you know that riff in the same way as you recognised it last week but you couldn't have said that's New Order Regret you're like Mm -hmm. oh yeah this song yeah very much Wallpaper yeah and it is just kind of bland wallpaper for me. And my issue with his vocals, I think, is he has a very weak voice. Um, and I don't think there's any real personality to it. It's very much him. I recognise it as him. But I don't think he's got anything interesting about his voice. Well, I, I also think that there's a certain quality to his voice that complements the best of what they do mm. the fact that it's got a particular town it's got it's kind of almost like to say to call it atonal is is unfair mm. but there's a there's a flatness of delivery that kind of it does works work, sometimes no does you're work right really really that well is fair. sometimes um and i do think there's and as we go through this record i do think there's nuances to it and for me one of the most interesting things going through this is what makes a good and what makes a bad song on this record what because mm, okay. this is on the whole of a type mm-hmm. this record and yet there are bits that i you know without spoilers there are bits that i respond to and there are bits that i don't do okay. not so and i, I 
if I, I'd be lying to you if I said I got the answers to to that. So uh, right, fine. So I mean, obviously, that seems as that's what the whole point of the fucking podcast is. <laughs> We're on a loser already. Dipshit. Um, right. As well as his vocals, I've spoken to various New Order fans who have said things like along the lines of, "Oh yeah, Burn Sumner. His lyrics are always either just a bit weird, which is fine because it works sometimes, or a bit cringy." And he's not a songwriter all the time. And in this one, I think, you know, the opening line or the opening line of the chorus, I would like a place I could call my own, have a conversation on the telephone. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, mate, you, you could have done better than that, surely. You know, it's just, that's proper rhyming dictionary. It's, I need something to fill these this meter. Mm-hmm. That'll have to do. Um, but there, there are definitely, there, there are worse ones on here. There are better ones on here. I think there's some examples where you go, oh, that works. And... Sometimes you go seriously, mate. You yeah. put that on record, but no, this one I don't. I don't get it. And this was the big hit off the album. And this was the one uh, Peter Hook is quoted as saying that he thinks this is the last good New Order song, uh, probably because you can hear him on it. That, that's a, that's a big deal to say this is a good New Order song. I think there's much better ones than this. Mm-hmm. This this wouldn't be in my pantheon. No, me either. Let's no. let's check out uh, track number two. Right. So this is called Worlds. Yeah. Uh, I mean. In theory, it's got a subtitle, but that's not on the Spotify. No, uh, yeah, it's bra- uh, bracketed. The price of love. Price of love. That's it. Thank you. So it's kind of, mm. that, That's an odd sound, isn't it? <laughs> that, that, this sounds like a Comet in the Gang song. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it really does as well. Yeah. This is a very early '90s kind of Ibiza pop rave. I was making records. <laughs> <Go ahead. laughs> it, yeah. th- and this is this is very much. That sing-songy vocal that turns dun, me off. Dun, 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 dun. Mm-hmm. Okay, you've got these little housey keys. Oh, very, yeah, very piano very, in here. Yeah, you know, um, and the house piano is very much played out in chart music at this time. Oh, exactly. This is not uh, the kind of beginning bits of whenever they started to do this in chart stuff. This is 1993. Yeah, and so yeah, we've heard this an awful lot already. Yeah, I mean, this for me. All the way through this, it's it's a bit insipid. It's a bit washed mm, out. Yeah. Um. It's it's not offending me on any real visceral level. It's pleasant right. enough. Right. But uh-huh. all of this point, it gets to a point. Yeah. About two thirty. Yeah. And there's a breakdown. Oh, I actually very much like the breakdown, and I like it the way it builds up. And once sure. the vocals are out. I really like it. It's kind of got a bit of a deep house vibe. I like the beat and the way, like the way the drum sounds. Yeah. But any of this stuff with the vocal in it, all of this stuff here. Yeah. It's no and good also to the me. bit where they have in the chorus where there's the, the female backing vocals singing it back to. Him. Yeah. I th- why are they doing that? I think that sounds like really horrible um, sort of chart dance stuff. And I don't know why New Order were doing that. Yeah. You know, it's like. It, again, it, that seems to me to be going down the the chart. It's coming in again here. That's the price of that's because it's like, like Deacon Blue or something. Say, mate, why are you doing that? Um, I I don't like the back end on this one. That this I don't like what they're doing with the style. Obviously, this is Bernard Sumner's influence. I'm guessing. Let's yeah. do a more dance tune, a more balearic type thing that you might hear in a club. But this to me falls between club music and just dull. Uh, M.O.R. pop because you're not going to hear this in a club no this is you know this is uh, n- neither fish nor fowl really it's, yeah. uh, it's oh I think you're getting to your, your breakdown bit 
but I like this. I think this. I think this is. I think this is successful. Like, builds up a bit of tension. Yeah. I'm listening. To that. I think. I think this sounds pleasing. This is right. nice. Um, there, there's more going on there. It's a bit more interesting. Yeah. Yeah, mm. I, I mean, I, I like this. I dance to this. Right, okay. But uh, the rest of the song, you know, it, it's, it's like it feels like two different songs to me. Okay, all I mean, right. I know, I know you still got that. You got, the, for me, nothing, nothing with the vocals in it. The course of the verses, yeah, that doesn't work. I really like this bit, but that's not enough. Sure. Um, I made a little note, and this might just have been me when I was making notes, being a little bit sniffy. This sounds like. Something that E Seventeen would have had on their album. I mean, it, it, it uh, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's, it's that not pop. It's generic. Th- that is actually a very good. Uh, that's a very good call. I mean, I mean, it's not as bad as it would have been on E Seventeen. No, record. no, uh, absolutely. But it's also not as much fun. Mm. They would have had something else. You gone? Oh, that's very silly. Oh, yeah, I would have been. This is so po faced. Yeah, uh, no, you know? it, it is. It's, uh, it is. It is very, very po faced. There's no. There's no yeah. denying that. I. Yeah, I don't know. I've got to say, I put a little bit of a of a hands up because I do genuinely. There's a bit like of it in there. Fine. Uh, so I'm not kind of just completely writing it off, but right. Overall, it, it it doesn't really. I I can't imagine when I'd put it on ever. No, and I also don't really know who it's for because I, I'm assuming it's not for people who were into New Order in 1983. You know, because they're not going to be into this sort of stuff. Well, they it's, might be. They might be. They might have grown up in the same. Well, or, well, way. I suppose. Yeah. Have they grown up? Are they now? living in a nice comfy flat with two kids and they like to remember when they were going out and getting shit-faced or off their face on pills. And so this is maybe a little bit of a comfortable throwback for them. But it's not anyway edgy in, in terms of what they were doing back then. And I don't understand why they would think that this was the way forward for them. No, this is not, it's not, it's not a good song. Let's, let's, yeah. let, let's dally no further. Fine. With it. Okay. Uh, yeah. And I said, fucking dally. What of it? Yeah. Uh, right. Let's have a look at the next track. This is one called ruined in a day. And this was the second single that came out in July of 93 and got to number 22. Actually, um, we should say that the previous song was actually the third single as well. Yeah. Okay. So this straight away, this is, a lot more up my street. You're going to uh-huh. low, moody, doomy. Right, Soul the Souls back to life beat that they've sampled. Yeah, okay. It's a nice little drum loop that they. It's a good one to steal for that. And we've got these kind of synth chords coming in. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't really. I've read through the lyrics a few times. I'm not entirely sure what he's talking about. I mean, yeah, sure. guesses, no. but. It's, I mean, again, there's some proper clunkers in here. Um, that you could be the lover of jade forever on your own in the shade. Pardon? I mean, I know a couple of jades. <laughs> Goody. True. Uh, she, she's definitely in the shade. Well. It's kind of nicely, low-key, darkly delivered, the way the vocal comes across. Right. Um, you know, you've got these... Uh, you've got these quite nice synth strings that are cutting through it. Give it, it gives it a little bit more of a of a cinematic kind of broader sure, scope. Personality. Yeah, you know, yeah. This, you know, this feels like kind of dark, rainy back alleys to me. I see. Okay. I, I like this one significantly more than the first two tracks. Right. Okay. Uh, I think this is pretty dull overall. I, I'm not into this. I think it's a. I like that they're doing something different. It's not just another. Here's a, you know, just shit dance song. But to me, this is a real non-event of a song. It doesn't do anything for me, really, and it doesn't go anywhere. It just does this, which is fine. Um, 
It reminds me in, in some ways of a slowed down version of Just Another Day by John Cicada, which I think is a much better song than this. Um, but there's no tune to this again. I see. I, I find I find the uh, the lilt of what's going on with with the synth and the way that the yeah. beat is syncopating out with it. I find that quite pleasing. Okay. So I I, right. I, I, I think I I think I do like this one significantly more than you do. For, oh no, yeah, no, I don't I don't like this one really. But I, I am pleased that they are doing something different because I was surprised they picked this as a second single, as the follow up single. Mm-hmm. But. Because I, I can't ever hear this getting played on radio or... And again, I mean, let, let me let me be clear with what I'm saying mm. here, right? I think this is a perfectly acceptable album track. I think this I is a, okay. I think this is a good album track. It's, right. It's, you know, it's it's not it's not really a single. I don't get it. I do not understand, uh, you know, what A&R man in an office went, well, this is going to be the good one to follow up. We'll definitely get some traction on this. But fucking hell, you know. If I had to choose what was going to work and what wasn't, there would be a very different world and nobody no. would like anything. Well, and if they're going to be covered in spunk. Well, yeah, that's what sells, mate. Absolutely. Right, OK, well, nothing much more to add to that, no, really. No, I don't... I guess I didn't say up front. Whenever I was going into this, not knowing New Order albums mm-hmm. at all, and not knowing this, definitely not, I was really hoping that something would grab me. Yeah. And I'd be like, oh, fuck, I've missed... This is what I'm missing. Because so many people are massive fans of the sure. band. And this, people do talk about this one fondly. They don't talk about it as their best ever, but they talk about it fondly as a good album. I was thinking, right, I want something. What have I ever missed? And these first three songs have not done it for me yet. No, and I, I mean, I certainly, okay, what I would say is I, I've not had that at all. What I've had, though, is hints of, oh, okay, I can, I, right, I'm putting this piece together and this piece together. Okay, this, right. okay, these are little elements here that I can see why people would like them. Okay, but, Okay. And, and you know, and I'm uh, and I've, I'm giving it the long lead of I expect this is not their best work. Sure, yeah. I suppose having read what we've read, sure. we're prepped for that. Okay. Also, from the long lead of it's just not Cliff Richard. Mate, we, we have spoiled ourselves. <laughs> Soiled ourselves. <laughs> I mean, I've spoiled myself twice <laughs> since we've been in the room. <laughs> um, all right. So let's uh, let's let's crack on mm-hmm. now to the next track. Right, track number four, which is called Spooky. And was the fourth single, in fact, uh, in December of 1993. Uh, Sp- spooky mini-mix. Yeah, weird. Uh, but yes, this was the fourth single, got to number 22. Whoa. So we're in a kind of... What's happening here? Industrial house techno yeah. stomp. Got a big squelchy bass line. Yeah, What's hang- happened there? Are we in the rave in the Matrix? Wah! Come Rain on. Rain dance. Who's what, 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 what? Yeah. All those that are about to move forward. Uh, let's have ya. Yeah. So, okay, so here we come in more kind of trademarky synths, sure. I guess. Yeah. Um, so now, the vocals as they come in, I would say, are new order by numbers. Oh, very much. Here we go. Here you go. It's exactly what. I have a note. I think this is the exact same vocal melody as the one in Regret, basically. Uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, and many others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it, it, someone's got a little uh, Bernard can just sing something over this, and yeah. he's got the same thing. So, again, look, this one drifts along. Yeah. Um, again, there's a breakdown in it, which is quite nice. It's fun, yeah. Uh, but ultimately, ultimately, uninspiring. That I I enjoy this more than the other one so far because that intro it immediately made me interested. It's like, oh, what what is this? This is bizarre. But have you li- obviously this is not generally regarded amongst 
New Order fans as the definitive version of this track. Oh, no, I didn't know that. Okay. No, no. So basically, uh. Uh, the uh, when this was released, it was released with a number of remixes on it. Right. Now, the remix that I think is on the video and was the main chart mix when it's released by Fluke. Oh, okay. Uh, which It's on Spotify, yeah. and it's much better. Oh, I see. It's much, much better. Okay. I mean, the, when they released their Greatest Hits album, there was a Ferrari, the original Greatest Hits album, that this was the version included. And then, oh. I, I think the 1997 re- reissue of it fixed it, and people were... Oh, I mean, see, okay. I don't, I don't think it's generally considered a pantheon of one of their greatest, greatest hits, but when you're doing a definitive hits compilation... Mm. The other, I mean, feel free to put the other the version on if you want. We can hear it. It's quite different, um, and I think it's much better. Right. Okay. I mean, that's a very fluke kind of uh, effect, I would say. Yeah. Because I must admit, it was kind of until the vocals came in on that original version that I was like, oh, I like this. But then it took it right back down into just standard New Order whenever he started singing. Oh, and, you, and you have to wait You have to wait a, a lot longer for the vocals to come in on this version. But it just kind of drifts along. seven minutes long. Yeah, yeah, it's a long version. Okay, I'm going to skip... I'm going to skip to vocals. I'm going to skip again. Jesus Christ. There's no vocals. There are vocals. I'm now six-sevenths of the way through, I reckon. I think you've, I think you've skipped missed over them. some of the vocals. Oh, okay. But um, yeah, that's nice. I mean, it's, it's a very different song. It's, a, ve- it's yeah. a very different track. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's more of a dance. Yeah. Uh, you know, kind of a dance, kind of chill out. Right. Dan- well, I don't know if it's chill out or a dance track, really, but it's it, it's, it's it, a, like laid back dance. Yeah. yeah sure. Um, and I, it, it's an, it's just as a track a lot more successful right. to me in general. But um, you know, it, it is what it is. I've, as I say, I think the the album version is yeah, it's okay. It's right. it's, it's another. It's another somewhat washed out, less than adequate. I see. No, I enjoyed that one, the album version, more than the others so far. Okay. I liked the I like the strings in it. There's that weird climbing bass like do 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 do. Let's keep going, and there's a, a big relentless breakbeat going through, all the way through it. Only really let down by Summoner's vocals on that one for me. Yeah, but that that's me. Which is a big thing. That is the big thing. It's, it, that that that, oh. that kind of just takes me out of the room completely. Mate, oh, and again, just the lyrics he's got with on this one. We could break every rule anytime we wanted to. Don't be afraid to live this way. Let's defend the things we say. It's like, uh, yeah, I mean, I, and I don't and I don't think he is on the whole a bad lyricist. I think he's. Right. Got, I, I think that there are some there are some moments and I, nothing that's come up so far, but there are some moments that I've noted down. That he's okay. got some really nice evocative stuff, and he he is capable of creating quite a nice image and making some quite nice word choices mm-hmm. but he is also very capable of falling back on his laurels and doing this very kind of dr zeus sing-songy yeah. kind of yeah. uh hat mat cat do you know what i mean there's yes yeah anyway right so let's all right take a break from there let's have a listen to the uh the album okay Right, so yeah, albums-wise, we're looking at the week of May 9th to 15th of 1993. Uh, there's a few new ones in here. Uh, I'm not going to say that they're good or not, but number 10, we've got Kenny G and Breathless. Wow. Which is 
I would imagine the worst thing you could be for a saxophonist. Yeah, I'd imagine so. Kenny G ruined by asthma. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Uh, uh, Also, number nine, Dina Carroll, So Close, which we've seen and uh, talked about that that was nominated for Mercury. Number eight, straight down to number eight from last week is Cliff Richard, the album. Number seven, Duran Duran Wedding Album, still in top ten. And I presume the reason that Cliff Richard fell so many places is because in that week, half of his fan base died of just old age. Absolutely. Uh, Number six, World Party with Bang, um, which we saw the the single uh, a couple of weeks back. I'm quite surprised that World Party had a top ten album. Mm, Yeah, and I think... This is the first time we've seen it. So number six for a new entry. I imagine that fell right back down as well. Uh, number five, though, a new entry uh, for Clannad and Fuck me. Bamba. Never heard of it, but I can imagine exactly what it sounds like. <sighs> I mean, like. I know exactly what that sounds like. Yep. Uh, number four, Terence Trent Darby's Symphony or Dam is a mm-hmm. new entry. And I'm guessing that's the one that probably has Delicate on it, 1993, with the Desiree. Uh, with Delegate, which I think is a wonderful song. I mean, I, I can't even think of that song for a second. Oh, uh, I'm not going to sing it because that would be ruining a good song. Delicate like you and me. Oh, no, that gives me nothing. No. Uh, number an erection. Nice one. Number three, Sting, uh, Ten Summoners Tales. Uh, number two, R.E.M. Automatic for the People. And then I've just realised, do you think that's a play on Ten Sumner's Tales? Oh, absolutely. Oh, I never thought of that. Oh, right, yeah, no, that's exactly what it is. Yes. Oh, I never thought of that. Oh, is it suddenly now, oh, I want that album? No, got- <laughs> it's quite the opposite. It's like, oh, I, 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 I mean, I genuinely, genuinely didn't think I could think Sting was more of a wanker <laughs> than I did. I, oh, oh, right. I never thought of that. I Sumner's. See. Sumner's Tales, yeah. Oh, fuck off, Sting. Mate, there you go. Gosh. And, and it's oh, <laughs> I might have to stop recording this. That's really, that's, oh, I Go feel, for a lie, I don't. Feel, oh, I don't feel good about life. No. Uh, other albums, though, we've got a two-week uh, period because, like I said, R.E.M. went back to number one. And so between May 9th and 22nd, we've got releases by... Rum- so I'm just laughing at two-week period. <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear me. <laughs> good grief. There's a professional comedian, ladies and gentlemen. Sunday, bloody Sunday. Oh, lovely. Rum DMC released Down With The King. Which got to number yep. 44, and I never had the album because... Because well, it, it wouldn't be very good. No, exactly. I loved the single. I went to John Jay University. University. <laughs> yeah, no, I really enjoyed the single, but there's just something about it. You know that and 15 other tracks wouldn't be what you wanted. Yeah, I mean, and I, I'll be honest with you, I didn't even really love Down With The King. Oh, I did. I, I really who, who was, was that a Rick Rubin production? I couldn't tell you. Not sure. I bet you, I bet you it is. In 93... Uh, might well be, you know. Might well be. Trash Can Sinatra's released I've Seen Everything, which was a, a kind of a, a very cool indie one. Eat Static released Abduction and got to number 62. Mm-hmm. Eat Static was one of those ones that I never was into. But Well, no, I mean, I mean aren't Eat Static and Osric Tentacles? Yeah. And we saw a top 10 album from the Osric Tentacles. A couple of weeks back, yeah. Um, and just to renew my point, they released something every fucking three weeks. I know. Uh, Brad released Shame. Which got to number 72. Uh, do you remember Brad coming out? I don't remember Brad coming out, but I do remember having the album. Okay, right. I, I, I remember, well, no, I never had the album, but a load of people did. Because it was, it, it's, uh, is it Jeff Ament and Stone Gossard? I'm not sure. I remember it being uh, people who you're like, oh, cool. But yeah. I never even had it. I've never heard it. I can't, I I can't remember, reading remember, about I can't it. remember if, it, if it was any good. Or, I, I suspect no. there's a good song on it. Um, no. Just to go back, Down With The King was, of course, fucking I should remember this because he was on the rap on it. It was Pete Rock and C.L. Smooth. Oh, cool. right. Pete Rock is on all over that. Yes, right. Uh, Terror Vision 
released Formaldehyde, which got to number 75 in 1993. I bought that album. Uh-huh. I bought that album because uh, of one of those things where I, I was reading about it and it, in uh, Kerrang! Yeah. And it sounded like, a, they, they made it sound like a very different band. And I bought it and I went... Oh, no, I don't like this at all. Oh, I see. Oh, I was right. one of those one of those few records because back in the day, like you'd buy a record and you'd buy dearth of the fact that you'd spent money on it. You would listen to it until you liked oh, it you, a lot you, of the time. You tried to like, and it, I, yeah. and I tried to get into that album, and I just I just never liked it. It yeah. was it, it was absolutely like Terrorvision would become a fun pop rock singles sure. band yeah. down the line, right? Never really my brand. Mm. Never. It was always a little bit light for me. Fine, but you but the, couldn't, the, this wasn't even, even that. Didn't even find that in. Oh, right. In this, I, I don't think I've ever heard from Elder. Oh, I think I've still got it. I mean, I couldn't tell you what's on it. Mm, fair enough. Uh, Morrissey released Beethoven was deaf. I got uh, number thirteen. Blur released Modern Life is Rubbish, which we kind of briefly talked about last week because we saw the Four Tomorrow single, sure. and it was the the one that was. The, their break away from the baggy scene that they that leisure had been all about, and for that reason, I took against it because I fucking loved leisure. I loved that baggy sound that they did, and so whenever I heard pop scene and then for tomorrow, it's like actually okay. Well, you know, I mean, you know, no I mean, I mean it's, it'd be almost impossible to level the criticism at being a fucking cultural magpie at, uh, at Damon Albarn, would you? Well, it? and you know, again, I, I say that fully. Uh, with the self-awareness that uh, two of my favourite artists, David Bowie and Madonna, made their entire career on exactly that. Right, sure. But there is something about the way that Albarn and his art school aesthetic deliver it that have all has always rubbed me up the wrong way. Mm. Well, it never got to number one, so we don't have to actually listen to it and talk about it in full because that would be... Expletive deleted all the way through. Well, I mean, I think every other album they released in the 90s did. So oh, we're, we're going to have to do Park Life, which is immeasurably worse. I'm, but I'm, I don't we'll, know. We'll take that when it comes to we'll it. See. Front 242 released an album called 06210311 Up Evil. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly the kind of thing they would yep, do, isn't fucking it? What? Fine. Yeah. Mega City 4 released Magic Bullets, mm-hmm. uh, and they were one of those indie bands that. I never even really heard at the time. It was them and Senseless Things I grouped together as couldn't be arsed. Uh, just, just, just bands that Simon likes. Exactly. And I was fine. I gave time to Ned Stomach Dustbin and Wonder Stuff and Poppy itself. But those two, for some reason, I was like, all right, nah. It, they did all, I've got to say, they did always seem a bit like, okay, right, okay, so we well, we can't get any of the big guys in, so, mm. uh, you know. It's well, a this bit, do. It's a bit, le- a, bit, a bit second division, isn't it, really? That's what I, it's I, like, I, if, it, it, I feel like if indie music was a sticker book, yes. then, like, senseless things, there'd be two members of each on each sticker. Oh, I see. You know, you know, like, you know like the Scottish League at the back of the... <laughs> Have you put any football sticker out? Lovely. Uh, debut album by Rancid came out, just called Rancid. Rancid, Rancid, yeah. Yeah, I don't remember that at all, but I, mean, I was never a big fan of that scene, but I didn't realise Rancid were going in 93. Yeah, I mean, a lot of those records, because uh, when's Offspring hit? Offspring hit's about 94, I mean, we've it? already seen Offspring have their first album. Yeah, that's Ignition. Uh, but Smash came out 94, I think? Yeah, so we'd like 94, 95. That's when those bands hit, but everything that kind of ended up being that epitaph staple had already been... Putting things out. I mean, like, don't right. forget, like, you know, that South Coast ska mm. punk scene is big at the minute. It, like, you know, if if that's the thing you're into, mm. you're probably considering this part of the golden age of it because it's before everybody else got into it. Yeah, before it sold out. Yeah, in, exactly. In Europe. Yeah, um, and you know, straight up, I'm a 
big Rancid fan. Of, of all mm. of all of those bands, yeah. I think Rancid are Rancid and Sublime are my two bands of that. You'd take those uh, ones away from the rest. Yeah, right. uh, uh, and I've I've not kept up with Rancid over the years, to be honest with you. But uh, I think Outcome the Wolves and uh, Life Won't Wait are pretty much perfect records. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And like, you know, Let's Go, I really like Rancid. Rancid, I I really like. They've got moments on them. But I think those two moments, they really kind of just captured uh, a moment in time. Gotcha. Absolutely furious live band as well. Brilliant live band. All right. Uh, And the other debut album that I've got a note of here is The Roots released Organics. Which okay. I don't think I've heard. I don't think I have either. No. I don't think I've ever heard Organics. Um, and so 93 is a long way back for me in mm. terms of roots. I didn't realise that they were putting stuff out at that point. I thought they were kind of 95, 96 and onwards. I mean, you could almost say <laughs> it's, <laughs> it, it, it's the roots of the roots. <laughs> and that was the end of the podcast. <laughs> Fucking hell. Sorry, mate. I'm still sort of laughing at my own joke. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a bit of a jazz cafe joke. Carry on. Uh, so, oh, do you want me to like, snap my fingers instead of clap for that But one? funnily enough, though... Uh, uh, obviously, uh, you had the roots, and the connection to uh, Rancid would be Roots Radical. Oh, but on the roots, well, well, well. the roots are radical. Well, there you go. So that's your albums. Uh, some, I mean, there's no classics in there. I wouldn't say, but at least there's some decent shit. That, yeah, again, know. but you know, when we talk about uh, you know, kind of seeds coming, uh, very much Rancid, and that, sure, yeah. you know, I think people forget a little bit that once grunge blew its initial. What that's when all of that kind of pop punk started to happen. And oh, people, uh, record companies were just going, here's the next big American rock band. Yeah. Uh, you know, cool, uh, not not hair rock, but anything else, alternative band. And so, yeah, they blew up in that way. But it is weird to think that there was a time before pop punk records, mm. you know, because yeah. they have stayed around ever since, to a certain degree. Yeah, you know, yeah they've ebbed and flowed, but this was always always been the lingering smell. <laughs> yes. All right. Uh, you know, I see, I'm, uh, you know me. I'm not a fan of the genre in general. Yeah, but the, you, you, but there's but some you, classic singles. You could, you could pick a load of singles. Oh, mate, give me a, a exactly a 14 track. That, that's what I call ska punk for sure. Yeah, absolutely fine. All right, uh, but let's get back into new order. All right, so let's go back in. Uh, track number five on New Order is Everyone Everywhere. Everyone Everywhere. That's, uh, you know, the, that's the demographic I use when I'm advertising my comic. <laughs> sure, yeah. That intro reminds me of uh, just that very first bit of Paul Young's Living in the Love of the Common People. Oh, I can see that, yeah. <laughs> nice. it, 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 it feels a little bit like... Um, Wedding album era Duran Duran, which is a reference oh, point we okay. hit a few times sure, recently. Yeah, well, yeah, we just seen that in the top I ten. I'm just being very lazy with my reference points. <laughs> just mentioning something that we we, we heard three minutes back. This is, this is unusual for me because this is where I get into the. Uh, this is where I get into that point where this stuff is all much of a muchness, but because this track doesn't do much. Yeah. But what it does do is it creates this nice kind of trancey ambience and the vocal feels quite hypnotic now and Mm -hmm. i'm not really sure why but i do really like this one this is definitely my favorite so far i think this is a good song okay and we get to three minute 30 and there's a a really lovely guitar lick three minutes 13 should i say let me uh skip to that one second that's a nice lick well this to me reminds me, and it's it, 
maybe I am drawing conclusions from something that isn't there. But obviously by this point, Bernard Sumner had done the whole electronic album with Johnny Marr. Yeah. Um, and so that reminds me, that guitar reminds me of a Smiths-esque guitar oh, okay. sound. Um, more than a New Order one. I, I, I do, I really like that as well. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, lyrics kind of speak of love in a time of attrition almost. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, this, this is definitely my favourite one on the track so far. Right, sure. Oh, I'm glad you like yeah, it. No, I do. I, I think this is a really nice feel to it. I, I think the chorus works better yeah. than uh, all the other ones. Um, I, I do think there are some bits of his singing that don't work for me, but in general it works because the, the, the more monotone thing is okay over the top yeah. of what we're hearing in the background. It does, it's okay. Um, and I can only imagine, you know, since 1989, since the release of their previous album, you have had um, the whole Manchester scene thing blow mm-hmm. up. So you've had the Stone Roses become world famous. You've had the the baggy thing coming through and take over the charts. And Manchester is seen as this up. So yeah. I, I see this as them being influenced by a lot of their peers, from that time yeah. obviously the only thing is that that time has now passed it's not the peak of manchester anymore sure. we're into we're into grunge or whatever but i think it's a really nice version of that type of thing yeah i mean i, I mean i didn't even necessarily put those two things together and i can you know i can see it as you as you said it. i don't i don't think it's necessarily an overt comparison that it's yeah, maybe it is me just looking for stuff that isn't there but, but i but I, I, I think I certainly that. i think i'm certainly with you on that johnny marr Guitar mm, part, yeah. uh, I think that is very, very good Johnny Marr guitar part. Um, mm. But yeah, I, I, I like this one. Uh, not a single, no. Uh, well, we've more had more singly than the other singles. We've had four songs in the first, or four singles in the first four songs, and that's it. Everything else is not a single. Yeah, and so I mean, a, I don't think that's good tracking for an album. You, mm. I don't think you should do that. Have your first four singles, the first four, and then you're done. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, this one. This is better than Ruined in a Day, which is the other kind of slow one, but it was the second single. And so, yeah, this this would have been all right. I reckon they could have made a good video on this. Mm-hmm. But no, I don't, know, don't get it. But yeah, no, I like that one. Cool. I like that one too. That's a two for two. I feel like we're right. five. I can't be arsed. No. Um, right. Young Offender is the next track. Right. Young Offender. <laughs> okay, so we're very housey straight away. Yes, a bit, a bit more kind of Ibiza piano coming in. I like that drum sound, like a snare. Oh, yeah? There it is. Fuck me. I mean, that really is like an upfront kind of Ibiza, Ibiza. Sure. Oh, yeah. For some reason, I don't mind it. Really? I see. It it feels quite strident here. Yeah. I mean, that speaks to me of a band going, don't worry, we'll get Oakenfold in at some point, and he'll do something with this. Yeah, yeah. Even if we're not sure where it's going in this, this version... It'll be fine down the line. But I, I do like this lyric here, though, where he's like, if I keep my distance in the, this one here, in this season of Slendon Hell, uh-huh. uh, it's because of the need to live off each one another, go home, young offender, and stay undercover. I just, I just, oh, yeah? I, just, I, I, just, I like that, yeah. I see, okay. Uh, it's a nice, evocative kind of, almost this picture forming. Uh, yeah, just nice use of words. Right, okay. Yeah, I, you, I don't know whether I'm getting into the vibe now. I don't think I am, mm. but I'm enjoying this one as well. I, I don't think it's as good. I don't think it's as good as the last track, but okay. I think this one as a piece works quite well. Right, I think this is rubbish. I didn't get on with this one at all. Uh, okay, fair um, enough. Th- this to me sounds like uh, a demo of a band 
who thought, you know, that, oh, we've got something here, but oh, let, let's take some guitar and some dance styles. Let's, you know, mash it all together. But they didn't know what they were doing. They, I see, but I, I, see, I, don't, I, see, I, I don't agree with that. I think, I think, like, just literally as you were speaking there, that piece where the guitar's playing off against the, the dance synths, yeah. I, I think that it does sit very nicely. Oh, right, so that doesn't work for me. I don't mind this bit of the tune, the chorusy thing, mm-hmm. uh, but overall, I don't like the the whole sound of the song. It feels clunky to me. In terms of the lyrics, I'm assuming because it's called Young Offender, yeah, and it talks about troubled youth and yeah, it's pictures of an image of a person who could not be blamed. You are a color and you are a number. So I'm assuming it actually is about young offender kind of scenarios and. The, the youth but then there's another line straight after that because whatever it takes I will make you mine what's yeah. going on I don't understand the context See, I mean I, for, for me I, I, I read through it and I, I didn't find a literal meaning in it so I presumed it was metaphorical for something right uh, and again I came away from it going I don't really I'm not 100% where, you, where you're at with this but mm. there's some nice imagery within certain lyrics that kind of conjure some nice pictures and I see know, okay. and if, if that's what if that's what you, I mean if you're looking for a very strong definite definition on this and if that's what he was going for then I don't think he's succeeded well I wasn't sure because I, it may, you might be right it is more allegorical mm. I just I also didn't get what he was trying to say allegorical allegorical yeah from last week uh you know i i didn't like this uh something about it rubbed me up the wrong way it's not the worst one so we've heard so far i've liked other ones less but this one i didn't get you're having a bad run these last few weeks aren't you i am you know uh, yeah i'm um, just looking forward to seeing what we've got coming Is up everything as well. all right at home oh <laughs> uh, maybe i just need to talk to someone yeah yeah uh, all right, but yeah, I got nothing else really to say about that one. You got many more on that? No, nothing else on that. Fine. Uh, track number seven then. This is a liar. Liar. Not to be confused with the Rollins band song. Because I'm a liar. No, it's not that one. Great song. Bat dance. Ooh, good call. Yes. Yes, it, <laughs> that is exactly what that is. But then this is Gypsy Woman by Crystal Waters. Yeah. And Fuck that song. I, I had this experience with that. Pause this a second. All right? Oh, right, yeah. I, I had that the other day when, you know, everyone was going on about, uh, it was like, oh, it's Six Music Day. They're playing all this amazing song, all these amazing songs. Oh, the, it was 1991 day or yeah. something, wasn't it? Yeah. They're playing all these amazing songs. I looked at all the lists everyone was playing, right? And I, and I was just busy in the morning, but I had to get in my car and drive to the eye hospital. Yeah, that's like the Apple hospital for anyone else. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Um, <laughs> fuck off. Um, and I, I got in my car and, uh, Literally, I can't remember what the guy's name is. Is it Jack Hawkins or something like that? Oh, Chris Hawkins. Chris Hawkins. Uh-huh. And what the fuck planet was he on? Because the first track he played was Gypsy Woman. Oh, Jesus uh, Christ. Crystal Waters. And and then he just played about three, uh, C&C Music Factory, which I don't mind. Right. But it's got no place at all on BBC Six Music. Well, especially whenever we had been, you know, because we, uh, like on a, a WhatsApp chat group, we'd be going, oh, fucking hell, they just played Sonic Youth. Or they just played this really cool stuff. That you're like, oh, I forgot this existed. Or even like Aphex or something like that. And then you tune no, in. This, I was like, oh, hang on a minute. I might, what have I tuned into? The Mr. Byright playlist. It's Steve Wright's, you know, years gone by anyway, shit. Fuck yeah. it. Anyway, fuck uh, Anyway. Alright, so uh, anyway, let's get back to Liar. You know, but yeah, that that sound, that keyboard sound is horrible. And then... But, but the, this, is, this is that sing-song vocal. It's the exact same thing. It's the yeah. exact same cadence and everything that he's done before. So, so the, the track itself is, pl- is a lot sparser. Mm-hmm. 
whatever that keyboard sound is, I don't really oh, like it. Oh, it should be banned. It should have been discontinued. Yeah. It, this is this is an absolute plodder. Yeah. Uh, the, the, I don't hate the chorus. This, oh, really? But it's Ugh. far, far, far from enough that, to... Those female backing vocalists doing a... Yeah, I'll do it and I'm through it. Ah, oh, horrible for me. Uh, it's, it is what it is. I, I, I don't like this one. No. No. And no, I, I it's, it's just come after two tracks where I'm like, oh, am I getting a feel for this? And it's right. like, oh, no, no, this reminds me. No, this is... Mm. It just feels a bit... It just feels like lazy songwriting. Sure. I do want to... Because, obviously, the track's called Liar. And if you read through the lyrics... Um, it is a very barbed song mm-hmm. directed at somebody. Yeah. And I do wonder, uh, the, the one that, that fits most for me is probably Tony Wilson. Ah, oh, maybe. Um, I wonder if it's, you know, at him because he was he, the guy who ran Factory and the co-owner of Hacienda, both of which are in financial trouble. And yeah. New Order are having to record this album to make money and bail those both those things out. And so are they going, fuck's sake, Tony? I mean, absolutely, possibly. I mean, you know, with the limited information that we have, that could be a thing. I mean, sure. I mean, the, I mean the, the missing information, of course, is everyone else that he's ever met. Oh, um, very true. But, yeah. yeah. So, but, you know, I, I mean, I can, I can certainly... Exactly, because it's, 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 it's about someone who was once a friend but isn't anymore and can't be trusted. There's a lot of trust issues going on in this song. Um so if you, if they are just pissed off that they're having to do this fucking album rescue, you know everything rests on them. But aren't I right in saying that this album doesn't actually come out on Factory? No, because Factory, but but when I think when they were recording it, Factory was still open. Yeah. But by the time it got released in '93, uh, Factory had gone bust. Yeah. And so it got released on London Records. Yeah. But basically, London bought Factory. Uh, you know, so they bought all the the bits and bobs that went with Factory, and so it came out on that in the UK. It was Fair different enough. in I think Warner's in the states. But you're right that it. It didn't save Factory, mm-hmm. um, so like, what was the fucking point? This is this is less Factory and more old Factory, and it smells yeah, it bad. And okay. this is the thing, you know. I think it was it ninety two. I think it was ninety two that the the big thing with the Happy Mondays going off to record Yes Please in Barbados. I'm going yeah. to say, I think that was ninety two when they lost all of Factory's money, yeah, uh, because they spent it all on crack, yeah. And and uh, Sean Ryder, no, was it Sean Ryder or Bears? Flipped a go kart or a little buggy, broke his arm, yeah. and had to postpone the recording, but stay on Barbados and do more crack while he mm-hmm. healed. And then no one gave a shit about the album. It came out and it was awful, mm-hmm. and nobody bought it. It's really weird, isn't it? If you record an album on crack, it's not always that good. Who knew? I mean, did you, if you ever listen to uh, uh, Saturn's Return by Goldie, oh ooh, no, oh the yeah, the record that Cocaine made. Oh, I see. Right. Oh God. No. But no, this is a really middle of the road. This is, you know, if M people decided to get a bit more dull for me, this is where, yeah, this where is, this, 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 is, this is not good, man. This, this should have been good. shelved, this song. I don't understand why it was put onto an album. No. Awful. Awful. Probably, I'd say this is possibly my least favourite one so far. It's like, a, it's like a joke, this one. I mean, I, I find it very difficult to have any level of feeling about it one way or the other. Oh, I see. Yeah, because it's... Because it's Basically a non-entity. I see. Okay, so track eight. Let's move on to that one. Uh Um, uh, What I will say about this album, though, is a classic 45, one side of a 45. Oh, it's great like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, And there's no song over five minutes as well. No, that is, I mean, mean, literally five stars for that criteria. Exactly. Yeah, buying that alone. I'm fully aware of the irony of me saying that and also saying my favourite band is Tool. Well, quite, yes. But whenever it's something that you don't really want to have to listen to much of, it's great. Exactly. All right, here we go. Track number eight is Chemical. 
Okay, so Camel, mm. we've got a big aggressive beat. We do. Almost Chemical Brothers in a uh, weird way. Yeah, I know. But yeah, Sense. I like the big pounding beat. It's good. Yeah. Heavy squelchy bass. Uh huh. Mm. Yeah, okay. I quite like mellowing. Yeah, mellow. I, I've described this one as a muted banger. Oh yeah, all right. And there are some big, like proper rave stabs in here later yeah. on as well. It goes full on uh, Euro rave. Again, the, the, the vocal is a bit is a bit like limp in it for this. It's it, it's another one where I go, this is the same vocal as every other song that sounds like this. It's like it's just him doing that same thing. Yeah, it's yeah. I don't know. For me, a better vocal could have elevated this song. Yeah, okay. As it stands, it doesn't ruin it. Mm. I don't love this song. Right. But I think it it's fine. It's a six. I would say, right, now. I'd put this as like two or three. I think this is really bland. Oh, I see. No, I like it more than that. I think, no. it's, I think this is fine. Um, but, yeah, no, no, not, you know, it's on the right side of average for me. Okay, um, all right. I wondered again if this was another one that was a dig at Tony Wilson, for example. Uh, it seems to be some, accusing someone of doing a load of drugs and letting your business go to shit. You know, letting down a load of people who rely on you. Well, I mean, I think they—I mean, I think they were all pretty fucked on drugs at this point. Anyway, oh, aren't uh, they? yeah. I think there was something I read where it was like every one of them was just on something different. Yeah. What a recipe for unity. I know, my God. But th- whatever cocktail they were on, I don't understand what sort of drugs it is that makes you make this sort of record because so much of this is is dull and not exciting or interesting I would have thought that surely just try some new shit if you're on a massive I amount mean, of the, drugs the, the truth of the matter is though drugs are only good if you're doing them That's, yeah, Where, if, if you're talking to th- if you're trying to make music with four other people that are on different drugs then the likelihood is what you're going to end up with is some kind of dull compromise yeah, I suppose. unless one of you is on the fucking great drugs that push you through everything right you know, as in, you know, mm. kind of top four monster magnet. <laughs> yeah, true. Imagine having to be the producer in this album, having to deal with the four people. Four people who didn't much like each other and had all just recently done side projects and were therefore not willing really to listen to anybody else on ideas because they've suddenly been got used to doing exactly what they want and having to be the guy in the middle going, oh, you know, no, please, no, okay, let's just try and get the drum pattern down. Mm-hmm. We can talk about whatever else you're talking about later. Oh. Yeah, this, this doesn't sound Wrangling. like, this doesn't sound like a, a, a band, a record made by a band that all point in the same direction, nah. for sure. Nah. Okay, um, so I don't have much else to add to that, really. Nah. I, muted banger, as me. I say, that's not my that's me. my review. Um, so singles. Right, okay, let's do the singles this week. Number 10 in the week of May 19th to the 15th is Snow with Informer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen that many times. Number 9 is Sub Subs Ain't No Love Ain't No Use. Number 8 is one that I thought, oh, this is easily recognisable, and it turns out maybe it's not. Um, you'll remember, I'm sure, but... Also, I'll, I'll skip through a bit because there's a massively long intro on this. <laughs> Do you remember what this is, though? Because uh, I was like, oh, I'll know this. And I listened to it and went, 
Oh, I absolutely remember the song, but I don't know if I'd put two and two together. I was, yeah, uh, I mean, my brain's saying Utah Saints. Your brain's right. Is it really? It is absolutely nice. right. It's Utah Saints. I mean, do you remember the, the t- title of this one? No. No, I Believe in Me. I Believe in Me. Yeah. I Believe in believe You and I Believe in Me and I'm alone. I Believe in Love. love. That's oh. the one. Yeah. Okay. It's a good tune, this is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this tune. is a lot of fun. Uh, so that's at number eight. Uh, then we've got... Number seven is the Utah Saints with Everybody Hurts. Number six, Whitney Houston. The Utah Saints with Everybody Hurts. Did I say that? Yes, you did. Oh, R.E.M. Everybody Hurts. (laughs) Leave that in. Don't edit that (laughs) out. That's fine. Number six is Whitney Houston's I Have Nothing. Number five, and Jesus Christ, I hate this song. But I remember this being a big hit. Oh my god. Oh, la 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 I think. It's da-da-da-da. Now, uh, no, tell me who it is. It's, gonna be it's Inner Circle. Inner Circle. Right, okay. sweat the a la 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 I wasn't going to get Inner Circle. Right, fine. I I remember fucking hating that song so much at the time. Just I, I just, I I mean, I don't know if I hated it because it had the looking in your brick brown eye joke. It certainly does. Which You're always, absolutely right. Which, you know, always made me laugh. And I'm not going to lie, 45 still does. Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, so that's number five. Number four... And it's probably going to be obvious who this is as soon as it comes in. The Muppets. Oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> Stingray. Mm-mm. Yeah, it's too unlimited. It is, of course it is. It's too unlimited. And it's Tribal Dance. Tribal Dance. Yeah. Uh, but yes, that- we're, we're going to have to do an entire album of this, so let's oh, not yeah. say too much more. Are you? Yeah, oh, am I? <laughs> I'm on <laughs> holiday. You fucking aren't, mate. You're doing it with me. Uh, that's number four. Number three, and we'll be doing this album at some point as well. Like a moth to a flame burned by the fire. I wonder what this is. Oh, this is a Love Love Girl, Janet Jackson. Yeah. Janet Jackson, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, no, and this is the next one we've got to do. Janet Jackson is the next album coming up on our list. So this is next one. And Two Unlimited is after that. So there's a, a juxtaposition for you. Uh, so, yeah, that, that's number three. Number two, and this is the first time we've seen this one. And this is Stone Cold 90s classic on every, you know, 90s compilation in the world ever. Yeah, Ice Spice. Uh-huh. All she wants. All that she wants. I really liked this when it came out. I bought the seven of this. I don't think I did. No, I did. But that's a terrible keyboard yeah. noise. Yeah, yeah, that's a really... How can we make a... How can we, is it a saxophone or a clarinet? I don't know. Uh, quite. Uh, but I, I did. I really enjoyed that. Uh, and it's at number two. And then number one is still from last time, the George Michael and Queen, the Five Live yeah. EP that we saw. In uh, the other stuff, there are... There's a few bits. I mean... There's one, I don't even know why I put it on my list, but I'm going to go with it anyway. Oh, good. Um, <laughs> there's very few that I'm going to be able to play you, is the thing. Uh, 
or if there's any point, because the first one I've noticed is Kingmaker, 10 Years of Sleep, oh, and, which you wouldn't have got anyway. I liked Kingmaker at the time, but they were very much an also-ran band, and I think they kind of knew it by this point. It yeah. was like, all right, we're ne- they'd been going for a couple of years to no real success. Mm. They were kind of the butt of the joke a lot of the time. So, oh, well, could be worse. You could be in Kingmaker. But, I mean, Kingmaker is almost like, that's, it's the guy behind the guy, isn't it? It's the, that's, well, it's, true, it's, yeah. It's, it's in the title. That's very true. Uh, number 14, got to number 14, uh, Depeche Mode's Walking In My Shoes which obviously mm-hmm. we saw when we did the full album on that one. Uh, also, one of the funniest song titles, if you want to do that game where you change one letter. Oh. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> oh, what a lovely image. There we go. Um, dodgy released Lovebirds. Only got oh, the number 65. Geez, fucking dodgy. But this, yeah, this is like the first kind of time I've seen I mean, I, Dodgy I, I, in any of these charts. Christ. Dodgy, what? F- I mean, what was going on? Oh, I see. I liked a couple of dodgy singles. Did you? I honestly did. See, yeah. Like, do- dodgy to me are like. I mean, and, and maybe I'm wrong, and uh, you know, maybe that's other. Mm-hmm. But like an antonym for everything that was, you know, it's just a short way of putting everything that was wrong with the music that people specifically in England would buy, and the rest of the world wouldn't. I say no. I mean, it was dog shit. It was. It was like that kind of proto. Uh, Brit pop that got allowed to be yeah. like a. a, a much bigger band than they ever should have been allowed to be. Do you know what I mean? I just uh... they were in the right place at the right time for some of it, definitely. But I think "Staying Out for Summer" is a good tune. Yeah, I do, and "Good Enough" was fun. See, yeah. I mean that they're they're not songs that hit the right buttons for me. Oh no, not your thing whatsoever. Um, yeah, this one that I seem to have put it in the list, and I suspect it's only because I can go. And this was happening as well. Pat and Mick released "Hot Hot Hot." That got to number 47. I've no idea why I've made mention of that. I mean, I don't either. Is this... Pat Sharp was, you know, on and a roll. Wasn't Let's All Chant like 1987 as well? Yeah, no, they, they, apparently they released charity singles every year for like six years. I think the first one was 87. And this was the last because the world sort of wised up a bit. But yeah. Pat and Mick. Pat and Mick was still happening. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, Pat and Mick is also... Uh, well, I think you, you didn't. You make the joke about it was like a, an Irish version of Faith No More. Or yeah. Something like that. <laughs> uh, uh, Radiohead released "Pop Is Dead," uh, which got to number forty-two, and it was a single in between Pablo Honey and the Bands, and it's not on Spotify, so I can't I don't play think, a bit I don't of that. Well, I, yeah, I don't know if I've ever heard it. Uh, I, I went and listened to it on YouTube whenever I, I saw it in here, and I was like, I don't know if I have, but it rang vague bells. Okay. And I remember it coming out. I remember the whole, the poppy's dead, yeah. the, the the imagery of the, the ads or something like that. But this was also still before I really gave a shit about Radiohead because it was pre-Bends sure. and I wasn't into Pablo Honey, so I dismissed it, mm. didn't care. I did watch the video for it, like I say, and Tom York, it, it's you know, it's the sort of thing that they would stop doing very soon after this because they finally got the balls to say to someone, I'm not going to do that because yeah. it's him uh, being carried around in like a plastic coffin in weird makeup, singing directly into camera in this bizarre fashion, looking like a strange guy. And yeah, th- he would at some point just go, this is not what I want for Radiohead yeah. anymore. I mean, like Tom York just looks like, like, I don't know, like what a Muppet would look like if you stripped the felt off of them. Oh, God. If, oh. You know, like that, mm. that thing where they made where they made real versions of Simpsons characters. Oh right, yeah, that horrific thing. And Beavis and Butthead. Yeah, oh, God, oh, the yeah. Beavis and Butthead. But I Terrifying. feel like if you do the Muppets, you're going to end up with Tom York. Oh, nice, okay. Uh, this one only got to number fifty-seven, but uh, careful now. Come on, 
Credit to the nation. It certainly is. <laughs> Call it what you want. Exactly. I Call it what you want. I loved this when it came out. What I, I loved most about it was the flood of people to the dance floor uh-huh. and, then the, oh, and then other people coming back to the yeah, dance dude. floor. Yeah. I mean, these, it is very hard to go wrong when you're taking Smells Like Teen Spirit and Welcome to the Terror Dome. Yeah. And putting the two together. Cool. But this one of these, I bet you've not heard this in 20 years, and you could probably do most of the lyrics. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit weird. Like a record deck. Uh, I, 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 I bought, I bought uh, multiple Credit to the Nation singles. Oh, because of this? Never bought the album. No. But uh, See No Bullshit, Hear No Bullshit. Yeah, sure. Somewhere. Yeah. Well, and he also, he did that god-awful link-up with Chumbawamba. Tiki Tiki Time Bomb. Jesus. Oh, fuck me, that's bad. Uh, but that no, I, I still I very much enjoyed that. I think I still got the twelve inch. Mm. Bad song. What? I do <laughs> And the only other one I've got is uh, Verve. When they were still just called Verve, released Blue. You got to number sixty nine. Nice. Um, Which is a good number for exactly. a blue song. Well done. Well done all round. Uh, but yeah, that's a there's, there's a couple in there. It's all right. Yeah. It's not bad. Fair enough. Seen better. Seen worse. But let's do the last bits of New Order then, yeah? Okay. Have you mainly taken against this album because it's called Republic and you're from Northern Ireland? Oh, pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Number nine is called Times Change. Mm -hmm. Okay, so this is another one of the slow, melancholic ones. Yeah. Um... As I say, the last one was quite on brand for me. Uh, this one mm-hmm. just fails to connect with me at all. Yep. I just, I think it's, I that, mean, that's, that's bad. That's terrible. That's really bad. Shocking. And it's it's the wrong side of atmospheric, this song for right. me. I mean, that is bad, isn't it? If you're building something. Oh, this is horrendous. That's song. like, that's like, that. what that's like is when, like, uh, when you don't have the files on the bank and so the, it just plays the default MIDI sound. But they've deliberately gone with this choice. Terrible. And, this and he's is, like rapping. Isn't yeah, it? it's... Well, he, he, well, he said what he sounds like. He sounds like um, Pet Shop Boys. That's exactly what I've said. This sounds like... It, I get what he's doing if he's trying to do that deadpan Neil Tennant delivery. Yeah. But this sounds... This sounds to me like if the Mary Widow's experience were trying to do a Pet Shop Boys piss take. Yeah. This well, is what they would come well, up with. I mean, the, the, the song that this sounds most like to me is, mm. uh, if I recall, it was a horror film. <laughs> Lonely Island. She's in my fans. Yeah. Oh, no, this is awful. And again, I, I've written I, that if this had been on the E17 album with them trying to do a serious track, I'd go, all right, they don't know what they're doing. They don't know any better. I mean, this this is actually quite a Tony Mortimer chorus. Yeah. Yeah, this is no good. Let's not wait. Awful. Let's, let's just let's just no longer. I was, like, I was about to say dally for the second time. Mate, you're, you're, Why is that in my fucking? You're going to start saying hey nonny nonny as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking hell. Okay, so uh, forsooth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, number ten then. Yeah, it's called special. Oh, okay, quite like that. A little kind of weird like uh, glitch. All right, yeah. Ooh, that Ooh. I like. That's all right. Ooh, minor keys and sadness, you say? I do. Hello. This is the longest track on the album. Yeah, they, at, at nearly five minutes. Yeah, again, they, they, this for me is just another example of 
what separates a good and a bad song for me is very kind of very very thin on this one mm-hmm. but you know I, I i like this one a lot really oh really yeah variation in you know it, it, it's the most emotive uh, vocal on the record Oh wow! Uh, he he really goes some places on this one that he doesn't often go, and I just think there's a really kind of like like beautiful sadness that hangs around this wow. song. Wow! So I, I really like this one. Oh, I thought this was dreary as hell. I really I thought like this one. This, I, this to me sounds like they were properly phoning it in. Like there's no level of interest from anyone in the band. And listen to his vocal. It's, it's got a bit of that kind of beloved. Definitely that. Yeah. I don't know. I... See, I think, that, I think the chorus is really nice. Oh, right. Yeah, the, again, the chorus is the best bit of it because there's a semblance of a tune. No, I, I really, really like this one. I really Gosh. like this one. Yeah. Okay. I, this did not do it for me. I just... It's entirely possible as well that... On all my passes through, a lot of times this was background. Yeah. And I had this on a good few times, but it was background. And a lot of these songs lend themselves to just drifting out of, of your head. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, but when I was sitting down to do my notes, this is track 10 of, of an album that I wasn't enjoying. Yeah. So I was like, oh, God, another one of these. I, I didn't get any respite so like, listen, from he's, like, he's actually emoting and inflecting in a way that he doesn't normally do. Just... just Yeah, no, that to me just sounds like another dreary Sumner vocal. Like fucking changing mm. pitch. I, I think, right, fair enough. I think this is a good, I think this is a really good song. This is in my top three of the songs on this record. Oh, okay, all right, good. I'm glad. I'm glad. Um, have you got anything else on that one? Or if you move on to the last no, song, it. last I mean, song. And I've really got nothing to say about the last song. Well, the last song is the shortest song on the album, and it's also. Pretty much an instrumental. It's just a dull instrumental it's with avalanche. one repeated lyric. Yes. Yeah. It, it, thankfully, short. It's three minutes, and it is just. It, it happens, mm. and it's there. It, there's no need for it to, to finish the, on like the, this on the album. I don't know why it's on here, but at least it's only three minutes. Yeah. Something in that. Anyway. No, this is crap. This. Yeah, so. Move it on. Fuck it. Right. We don't care. Right. That's so, that. Fuck I mean, me. Needless to say. Mm-hmm. This isn't a very good album. I think this is a pretty bad album. I the, honestly the, do. The, the, the interesting thing is, for me, this has got most in common with some of the bloated albums by faded stars that we've had. That's the thing yeah. that it, it reminds me most of. So, like, that Fleetwood Mac album. Sure, yeah. yeah, where, yeah, yeah. where it's a band that are past their, their best going through the paces. It, They've it, got the name. Yeah, it, but, do, it doesn't mean at moments things don't lock into place and think, you know, I, I do think I do think of 11 tracks on here mm-hmm. there are there are three tracks that I enjoy. Okay, sure. There are no tracks that I'm leaping to put on playlists of or, course. or yeah. to share and there, there, are, there, there probably aren't three songs on here that I will probably revisit to be honest with mm. you but being as fair as I possibly can, there are three songs on here that I like. And I there will be okay. at least one song that I revisit because it's going on a fucking playlist. Uh, yeah, so uh, needs must. Sure. All right. Well, uh, for me, I definitely agree with you saying it's, it's a band past their peak, coasting on former glories and 
maybe trying something different, but different isn't necessarily a good thing because mm. this is going too far down the MOR route. They have lost the art of writing tunes on an yeah. awful lot of these songs. So there's nothing to really grab you. And the ones where it works, yeah, it's fine, but it's never, shit, yes, this is brilliant. You know, there's not one that I'm like, fucking, okay, this is a great one on this album. I don't think there are any great songs on this album. There's a couple that are oh, I, I don't think there are any great songs nah. on this album at all. No. Nah. Um, I mean, I think I know the answer to this already. Actually, I'll tell you what, before we before we do this, the song, let's uh, go to Oh, the, the social Twitter. medias. Yeah, see what other people think. Yeah, so we, we, we put this out on quite late in the day, but we funnily enough, we've had quite a few responses Good stuff, here. right. Straight in here, uh, Pier Road Coffee and Art. Uh, my housemate played this twice a day in uni for six months. I know this album really well. Nowhere near as good as Technique, but it sounds dated now. Um, right. Yeah, well, certainly that's very sound true. dated. It uh, does, it does. There's so many of the sounds they're using that I think probably sound like they should have been left in more late 80s. And by the time this is coming out in 1993, are already past their prime. But that means that at this stage, you're all, you're definitely going, that sounds a bit kind of weird. Yeah, sure, yeah. man. So anyway, Stephen Hill of uh, Riot Act Podcast. Yes, yes. Big up Riot Act. Uh, not even close to being their best album. Not even sure they really have one definitive best album. But if they do, this ain't it. Right. Saying that, Regret was one of my favourite indie bangers when it came out. Oh, right, okay. Fair enough. I mean, I'm too far past the point of entry, I think, for Regret. Uh, to what, to suddenly like it? Yeah, I mean, maybe I made I liked it more at the time. I don't know, right, but okay. yeah, it's fine for me. Right. Uh, uh, Venetian, uh, Venetian Gambler, Andy B, mm. bought them day one. Honestly, pretty naff. This is a very good point, actually. I think it's one of the best things we had. Uh, the point where they were that once they'd previously defined the curve, now they were very much behind it. Right. Yes, I, I would absolutely agree. There's nothing in this that is like raising the bar, is there? No, I don't think right. so. Uh, at Ben Collins 01, uh, first four tracks, the singles, are all great, but after that you can see why those four tracks were picked as singles. Mm, uh, okay. Uh, yeah, okay, fair enough. I mean, I don't think we were probably quite as into... Into them. No, I would swap some of those out. I would, I would change some of those yeah. single choices had it been me. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you know, as is the case, though, it's, it's obviously quite a different thing when you come back in at something like this, this far removed. Of so course, who knows? of course. Um, Michael Collins, I really like it. Uh, does it reach a height of their best work? No, but still full of gems. Mike, you are a generous man, and on this occasion, oh, he's just—he's too, too nice, too he's nice, too, too nice. I think you're, I mean, I, I, I know you know your stuff too well to really undermine you, but on this case, mate, I think you've just been having too much of the year, uh, the nice pills. Mm. Um, John Myers, the start of the decline after the career high of technique. Singles are okay, catchy enough. It's all a bit bland pop, and Jesus Christ, Bernard's lyric, fuck's sake, ruined in a day, <laughs> is glorious though, downbeat and atmospheric. I agree with you, okay, uh, John. Right. I very much liked Ruined in a Day. Uh-huh. Uh, Bradders, outside of Regret, which I remember being omnipresent at every Emily club, I could not have named any single song on this. I think this is where it became a hits-only band for me. Totally fair. Yeah, no, I, I, I would agree that. For me, New Order probably were already by that point. I only wanted to hear the big hits I knew. And yeah, this would have cemented it if I had listened at the time. Darren at Guts Guts, uh, formerly of this parish and former guest of this on the podcast, Mm -hmm. um, uh, was probably my favourite comment on the Twitter. They went downhill after John Barnes left the band, in my opinion. Absolutely brilliant. Um, Wow. Brilliant. Darren, absolutely fantastic. got to hold me. Jerry M. uh, Just on that point, in my readings around this, I didn't know that originally World in Motion, they had mooted that it was going to be called 
E is for England. Because Keith Allen co-wrote it with them. And so that's what they were trying to do. They were trying to be a little bit funny. And and the chorus was going to be, E is for England, England starts with an E. Yeah. I was like... Yeah, but that got shot down I mean, pretty quickly. Yeah, in the end, that got uh, that uh, everything starts with an E. Well, who, who was that? That was um, oh god, easy, uh, um, easy posse, easy posse. There yes, yes. lovely. That's it. Uh, okay, so uh, at Jerry M four three three six four. Oh, just seven, Jerry four, M. five. Jesus That's Jerry. Well, I'm just giving their Twitter fucking tag anyway. At Jerry M anyway, um, and a load of numbers. Not that keen on this album by the odd tune, but I think this is the point where this fan base changed quite a lot post World in Motion to a point where the gigs just had the constant sense of threat. Oh, okay. <laughs> Just a fucking load of lads in. Yeah. Right. I know, we know that feeling. Yeah. Uh, John in Leeds. Uh, we're always a patchy band for me, apart from power, corruption and lies. Wasn't interested in the 90s, though. Skip this entirely. Mm. Uh, and, Fair. Well done. And at Corky Fella, Mr. Corcoran, uh, the most front-loaded uh, record ever released. Well, yeah, as we discussed, first four of 11 all singles. Strange, strange choice. Anyway, so all right, so we've we've done our little white. Uh, sure, uh, round I, mean, I think on that's this. a general agreement there that, that everyone's saying this is not their best album. Yeah, and, and normally no with, one's standing up for it with a band like, and you know, to be fair enough, we've only had this out for a day, but with a band like New Order, I would normally expect at least one outlier to come in all guns blazing. This is an undiscovered. Blah, right, blah, blah, sure. Blah. But no one is, uh, and no. fairly good and reason. Again, whenever I was doing a little bit of reading. And trying to find some reviews, even like either from the time or, you know, whenever Pitchfork do their 20 years on sort of stuff. And no one that I could find was saying this has been much maligned and is actually a work of genius. No. Right. So playlist. Playlist. I mean, I don't think this is really that much of a stretch, is it? I think there was only one no. that we both liked. Yeah. But the, the one we agreed on was track five, wasn't it? Everyone Everywhere. Yep. So we'll do that. I think it's a I mean, it's, it's, it, that's, that's a one-track album, yeah, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Uh, much like your mind. Yes, quite. Anyway, quite. guys, thank you, as always, for joining us this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, please let us know whether you agree or disagree with our takes on social media. Um, we'll be back next week with Janet Jackson. Yes, Janet. Right. Janet. Uh, I say, oh, when I say next week, you know what I mean. Oh, it's wait, probably, next time. It's, it's realistically. It's a, we're getting better. It's realistically around every two weeks. Oh, it moment. is, but I, I suspect this one won't be, I reckon, because I'm off to oh, Belfast yeah, for yeah, a few yeah, days. That's true. Chris is going on holiday. Yeah. I'm going on holiday. Um, I'm having another operation on my eye as well. Well, no. so yeah, it, um, who knows? It, it probably is going to be slightly longer than two weeks. I'm yeah, afraid we'll see you the when next it, one, when it, when it but happens. we'll see what we can. All right, on that note, then, uh, yeah, we'll see you whenever we are back. Hope you're all well and etc. etc. See you later. Bye. Thank you for checking out this episode of Pop Collaborate and Listen. It was produced and edited by us, for which we can only apologize. We're on Twitter at PCL Podcast on Instagram, also at PCL Podcast, and facebook.com slash PCL Podcast. All of these, plus links to our various Spotify playlists, etc., are on our website, which is pclpodcast.com. Please feel free to get in contact via any of the social media or on pclmusicpodcast at gmail.com.